What do a sweet kindergarten teacher, a washed-up musician, and a fucked-up children's show host have in common? They're all the last line of defense between a kindergarten class and a horde of zombies in this 2019 Hulu original zombie rom-com that frankly deserves a whole lot more attention, Little Monsters. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Austin Johnson. And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday, listeners. Welcome to the Filmgasm Podcast. This is Connor and Austin with you once again to shine a light on a horror gem that should be far more well-known than it is. I love a good horror comedy, and Little Monsters is absolutely hilarious and fun. This will be our 95th episode, with our 100th well on its way. I'll give you a hint about the subject. It's going to be a Weird Shit Wednesday, which is an intense deep dive into a franchise or a filmmaker's career. We haven't done one in a while, since before the pandemic, and we felt that for our hundredth, we should go big or go home. It's a director, and it's a celebrated director known for very weird shit. We'll dig into his filmography, specifically on one of his creations that has since become a staple of 90s pop culture. So stick around for that. <laughs> I'll get the coffee. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> If you're, a, if you're a celebrated horror fan, you know exactly who we're fucking talking about. So look forward to that on the 100th episode in a few weeks. <laughs> oh. So we got one update for you on the Rewind, and it updates episode 24, Jaws. There is a fundraiser in the works to finance a documentary called Return of the Orca. The plan behind the documentary is to rebuild Quint's famous fishing vessel, the Orca, in the hopes of promoting ocean welfare and endangered species conservation. One of the partners is Wendy Benchley, widow of Jaws author Peter Benchley. So they're trying to rebuild a replica of the orca and use it to promote ocean safety and save some endangered species. I find that very admirable. (laughs) Right on. Hell yeah. A couple people from the production are involved, some, uh, some technical guys and Wendy Benchley, and a lot of fans. So, yeah. Uh, donate to that. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. So I first heard of Little Monsters when website contributor Caleb Leger reviewed the film back in February of this year. I didn't think much of it for a number of reasons. One, I've never really been impressed by Hulu's original movies. And two, I thought it sounded goofy. When we drew it from the book, I was apprehensive, but it's ended up being one of my favorite movies that I've discovered through this podcast. <laughs> yeah man yeah this is my first time as well and my my older brother kind of pushed it on me like pretty heavy uh saying hey this is something that hulu put out and I, yeah I, I was like you kind of like oh you know whatever i'll get to it i guess someday <laughs> boy was it boy were we wrong uh this is a this is a great movie that just kind of pops like a firecracker throughout with all different kinds of genres melting yeah. Uh, awesome. Awesome music. Uh, and then, and then two great performances kind of like at the center. So yeah, I, I had a great time and then we have like an evil Olaf. So that's good. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that shortly. Yeah. I had a good time. I'm really glad we picked this one from the book. It just, you know, again, the book knows recently uh, we had uh, as above, so below and here's little monsters, you know, sometimes we just get reminded of there's good shit out there. We just, you know, you got to keep your eyes open. It's fantastic. This book thing ended up being just such a great thing for the show. It's really kept things kind of loosey-goosey and unpredictable. 
And yes. we get to discover so many movies we never even would have considered for the show. And yeah, this is definitely one of the better ones. Uh, if For those of you who've seen Shaun of the Dead, I would put this in the same vein. It's basically Shaun of the Dead with a kindergarten class involved. And uh, yeah, yeah. It's just so sweet and endearing and quirky and charming and Australian, and it's wonderful. <laughs> they really, like, it's really a, like a, it's a love story at, at its core. And then like on the outside of that is a zombie movie. It's really yeah. smart. It's, it's tough to, to do a horror comedy in the, like the right way. It's, it gets fucked up really, really easily. So when you manage to craft a good one, it really is special. Yeah, no, no question. When I love that you, you know, when you say like super Australian, it it is. It's 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 a certain dryness and awareness of timing, you know, of comedic yeah. timing. And we see this, we see this a lot in foreign countries. It's just not as popular here in the United States. That kind of um, it's beginning to get more popular. I think. I think it has to just because comedy gets more and more tough as time goes on that's why a dream like this that does it so well because of its timing uh it just i was cracking up the first few minutes man well, um you, you're just hearing kind of constant oh fuck off and yelling and you can't p- hear people over each other it's brilliant yeah what you were saying in a uh, relation to kind of a foreign uh comedic timing there's yeah. a line from blackadder that i think defines that perfectly so <laughs> Blackadder was obviously, it was in Blackadder the second and somebody was being very cheeky and asked Edmund, you've really worked out your banter, haven't you? And Blackadder responded, no, not really. This is a different thing. It's spontaneous and it's called wit. <laughs> yes. And that's what yes. I think British and Australian humor is really at its core is just wit. And it's, it's brilliant and I love it. It's hilarious. And this film is witty as hell. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, love when I can bring Blackadder into the conversation. Yeah, that's that's such a great call. Uh, Little Monsters was written and directed by Abe Forsyth, who is currently scheduled to be helming RoboCop Returns, a sequel slash reboot of RoboCop that will continue from the first film and ignore the sequels, just like the recent Halloween. So that could be neat. <laughs> yeah, especially after something like this, right? You want to see... Hey, what else can you do? You know, here's, here's a nice project. Yeah. Some of his other films include uh, Navin Wants to Be a Superhero, Ned, and Down Under. So he's an uh, up-and-coming Australian director, and this is a big win for him. Little Monsters. Um, Oscar winner Lupita Nyong'o stars as Miss Caroline, the most dedicated kindergarten teacher in Australia. Nyong'o won her first Oscar for her performance in 2013's 12 Years a Slave. In addition, she has appeared in such films as Black Panther, Us, Queen of Cotway, The Jungle Book, and Star Wars The Force Awakens as Maz Kanata. And uh, we talked about her in uh, our fourth episode, Us. <laughs> Long <Yeah>. time ago. <laughs> yeah, what, what a year for uh, Lapita to be in Us and Little Monsters. Um, you know, and we talk, I, I, I still stand by my opinion on Us. I think it's a little incoherent. Yeah. But it's, but it is a gorgeous film with some pretty cool scares and an awesome Lupita Nyong'o performance. Yeah. She's easily the best thing about that. She doesn't really ever give you, you know, when she brings stuff to the table, it's always good. Um, 
Black Panther, Nakia, uh, come on, you know, she's, she's a legend. 12 Years a Slave as Patsy. Just uh, awesome, awesome career, and I cannot wait to see what she does next. She's one of those people now that you see Little Monsters, Us, and these different kinds of films. She's able to tackle these different characters. I, just, I can't wait to see what next, what's next. Yeah, and she, she kind of came out of nowhere, won an Oscar, and then became an A-lister like immediately. And yep. she's just starting, really. And I'm, I, I think she's going to have a very long and exciting career. Awesome. Alexander England plays Dave, a foul-mouthed, washed-up musician who falls from his Caroline and ends up helping her protect the kids. Uh, England has also appeared in such films as Gods of Egypt, Down Under, and Alien Covenant. And he is hysterical. <laughs> Dave is such a piece of shit for most of the movie. And, but he's this, like, like I said, it's witty. He's endear- you like him because he's quick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's he's always able to able to talk. He has a comeback, always ready. <laughs> I love when he's uh, at the beginning of the film when you kind of realize, you know, what his wit is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's like he he finds his uh, spoiler alert. He finds his uh, his ex girlfriend or girlfriend, whatever, uh, cheating on him or <laughs> whatever it may be. And he's like, I'm Dave, boyfriend of nine fucking years. <laughs> and, and the guy says, watch the language in front of the kid. And he's like, I'm not a kid. I'm Darth Vader. <laughs> Genius. Genius. It, it tells you exactly what you're about to see. But like you said, he has a nice little journey. Yeah, it's nice. And it's cool to see Dave. There's some poignant moments in here, like when he calls his sister and says, you know, I never thanked you for raising me. Like, it's, a, it's, it's very uh, touching. And he, yeah. he has this, you know, that perfect blend of funny and dramatic that really works in this movie. Yeah. Then we have Josh Gad, who plays disgusting kids TV entertainer Teddy McGiggle, who secretly hates kids and loves to fuck their moms. Yeah, this would be evil Olaf. <laughs> Gad has achieved mainstream success pretty fast over the past few years, appearing in such films as Frozen, Murder on the Orient Express, Artemis Fowl, Pixels, and Beauty and the Beast, among others. And this was the film that finally made me like the guy. (laughs) No kidding. A string of films I don't give a shit about. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. This This is definitely my favorite Josh Gad role. Yeah. I have kids in here. Oh, I don't give a shit. (laughs) The worst possible human being you can be is this motherfucker. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I've, I've, you know, frozen, you know, it's a big, that's a big popular movie. And Olaf is this lovable guy and he really is evil. Olaf. You're like, if that's, that's polar opposite, that's what we got here in little monsters. (laughs) Absolutely. Little Monsters has an IMDb score of 6.3 and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 80%. Better. User score of 100%. So that's pretty sweet. (laughs) Um, It debuted on Hulu as a Hulu original film on October 11th, 2019. And I don't think there's any way of knowing if it was a hit or not, but I hope it was. From what I... No, as far as my the community of people I talk to about movies, no, it, it's not a hit. But ah. 
but, but, but that's doesn't mean, that doesn't mean a whole lot. You know, I'm not, obviously right now we're not (laughs) out and about talking to people. I just feel like it didn't have that wave of conversation. Like, um, what's another movie that came out on streaming service? Obviously Defy Bloods is a way different story because of Spike Lee. But I I, I never felt like there was a huge conversation. Like Bird Box. Like Bird Box. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Bird Box. Yeah, Everyone was talking that, about Bird Box. Nobody that was came, talking about Little Monsters. Is that already what? A couple years old? I don't even remember when that came out. Um, that was 2018. Netflix. Yeah, yeah crazy. And uh, yeah, Little Monsters coming out in 2019. Yeah, I just don't remember that conversation happening. I don't know. No, I had never heard of it until Caleb reviewed it. And I looked into it and was like, nah, nah. <laughs> and, yeah. what, did, what, what, what did he give it? What score? He gave it an eight. He liked okay. it a lot. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I don't mean to speak ill of a friend, but he, he loves pretty much every horror movie he comes across. Like there's very few horror films where he's like, that was shit. So I have a hard time believing his eights when it comes to horror movies. I'm sorry, Caleb. I I love you, man, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He he loves horror. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with that. We all love horror, but. There are bad horror movies, buddy. <laughs> there are a lot of them. Yeah, I love I love horror like I love rap, but there's there's some shit out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like as a horror fan, I feel like a prospector panning for gold. Like I know I'm going to get rocks most of the time, but I'm doing this because I'm waiting for that one little nugget, that one little piece of gold where I'm like, "Eureka, this is a great movie." That that's what I'm doing. <laughs> There you go. And that's, this is, that's, this is that's a gold perfect. nugget. That's what this is. Yes. <laughs> and let's get into the plot of this thing. <laughs> let's do it. So we open with a great montage of Dave and his girlfriend's just consistent arguments. Yes. Every day, every minute of every day about all sorts of shit. <laughs> One of my favorite ways to open up uh, any kind of comedy is just just like not even arguing they're like screaming saying horrible nasty things at each other just digging at each other it, it, for whatever reason it's just really entertaining <laughs> you know to watch yeah, two people great. just go at each other yeah my favorite bits are when they're doing it like in a restaurant with friends there at the table <laughs> just screaming at each other and everyone's just looking at each other like oh god yeah at the dinner party yeah <laughs> and mostly it's about Dave does not want kids at all. He fucking hates kids. And he's also, you know, he's, he says he's in a band, but he, they broke up six years ago. He's got no direction. He's an idiot. And he's pretty useless. So she's constantly wondering, like, why the fuck am I with you? And eventually she realizes, yeah, why am I with him? And they break up. And uh, Dave ends up uh, sleeping at his sister's house with her son, Felix who is, like, allergic to everything. He's a very weak child. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> they, frail. Uh, yeah, frail as hell. And they're making <laughs> uh, mini, they make mini pizzas, and it's, like, vegan, gl- like, gluten-free tofu pizza. And Dave's just like, what the fuck is this? I'm going to Domino's to get a proper pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I love his proper pizzas, Domino's. I fucking hate Domino's. Uh, <laughs> so 
he uh i love felix wakes him up in like like late afternoon <laughs> what does he say like aren't you in school and he's like school's gone i don't know <laughs> school happened <laughs> like what school time school happened <laughs> they're playing call of duty and mom is like what is that oh my god and he's like it's not real <laughs> it's it's not real <laughs> And she says, like, if you're going to do this shit, you, like, you can't stay here. And he, he looks like he's about to leave, and then he starts crying. And she's like, okay, all right, fine. Just don't fuck up my kid. And uh, at some point in there, Dave has the awesome idea to use Felix to try to win back his girlfriend. And he takes the Domino's pizza box, writes down, will you marry me? And takes Felix to his ex-girlfriend's house dressed as Darth Vader. And what they what he finds is uh what is the girlfriend's name? I I don't remember it. Yeah, it's not listed right here. Um one second. I need to find her name. It's gonna bother me. You going on IMDB here? Yeah. Don't you love these organic, unscripted moments of a podcast? Isn't it just beautiful? I I for one feel like um IMDB is getting a lot of you know, free advert advertisement here. Yeah, exactly. Where, uh, <laughs> you know, using I using IMDb uh, for plot synopsis, you know, and looking up actors' filmographies, and that's what we're doing here. What do we got? Sarah is her name. Sarah, and Sarah is fucking a real estate agent who's like the, is old enough to be your dad. And yes. uh, Dave catches her, and but the way she <laughs> he catches her is Felix walks in there, and. Says some Darth Vader shit, and she's like, "What the fuck is this?" And he's like, "What? What the fuck is this?" And it's so awkward and hilarious. And Felix is there the whole time in character, trying to force choke people. <laughs> it's so awkward and funny. I love it. <laughs> and Dave is like, "Look what you're missing out on because you will never see this sweet ass again." Like he is very much like, <laughs> "Like you're gonna like your loss." And, I mean, have a nice life. Yeah, <laughs> I love the, on like written on a pizza box and marker. Will you marry me? It's so fucking. Yeah. Good. it's so great. With a little Darth Vader. Yeah. It's so trashy. <laughs> so uh. good. <laughs> so now Dave is just despondent and pissed, and that's when Mom uh, Tess is upset that he just took his took her kid out. Um. Uh, so in order to make amends with Tess, he decide, he agrees to drop Felix off at school. And when he does, he meets Miss Caroline, Felix's kindergarten teacher, and he's immediately smitten. And um <laughs> he <laughs> I love he tries to impress her by like just lying through his teeth about fucking everything. I'm a Christian too. <laughs> yeah, funny. yeah. I love when he tells Felix to have a good day and he screams his name across the room. <laughs> And all the kids just quiet down immediately. Felix, have, have a good day, day. matey. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. There, there's some, there's some moments at the beginning, you know, the first 10, 15 minutes where you're like, <laughs> you can't, it's hard to keep up because you're laughing so much. <laughs> My stomach was hurting last night, man. When I watched this, it, it is, uh, it's kind of like a shocker. Yeah, it shocks your senses that first begin because of Dave, because he's all over the place, and because of those antics with the fucking, 
the cardboard will you marry me with a little darth vader <laughs> uh, it's uh, it's so good it's great and uh a parent drops out of an upcoming field trip and dave volunteers to chaperone mostly just so he can get close to miss caroline yes and, uh, Nyong'o. oh yeah who wouldn't <laughs> and um isn't she yeah she's she, she's like a well she's one of those gorgeous uh women um working right now um and and it, oozing with talent i i adore her she's so you believe everything she does on the screen right she convinces you every time no matter what the role is she's only 37 years old she's got an oscar <laughs> yeah oh and yeah and potential for so many more yeah wonderful uh so they're they go on the field trip they're going to this pleasant valley farms kind of a petting zoo type thing and uh Dave's there and he's not really paying attention. <laughs> they start singing um, <laughs> Taylor Swift on the bus. Uh, Miss Caroline plays Taylor Swift on her ukulele to shake it off. Shake it off. off. And <laughs> so I don't remember how it happens, but somebody, I think Miss Caroline points out that Dave was in a band. Could he sing us a song? And he's like, Oh God. All right. Yeah. And <laughs> he breaks out the thrash guitar and starts singing about how like everything is you know depressing and life is fucked up and everyone's gonna die and she's like it's a bit heavy mate (laughs) yeah god damn all the kids are like oh like just wide-eyed like what do we do (laughs) but but you know you know a couple of those kids are gonna like grow up and be like i fucking love prog rock yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know that was like a that was like a life-altering experience for them and I, I love when the uh, he come the guy comes in on the bus and next stop Pleasant Valley. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, genius! Uh, <laughs> so while this is happening on their way to Pleasant Valley, we go to a U.S. Army testing site where yes. something has happened and the soldiers are there to investigate. And what's happened is a zombie virus has broken out of containment and infected the entire base, and now they are coming out of Pleasant Valley. And I love how fucking lazy the zombie part is. It's so, uh, like just perfectly, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of? It's just the great trope, you know, U S army base. It's 28 days later. It's the stand. It's just like, fuck it. All right, here's some zombies. <laughs> I think it really and, and, works in this and, film's favor. <laughs> yeah. 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 I agree. Uh, I think, Ah, it's hard because I think sometimes I contradict myself with like, but, but it's, it's awareness, right? It's when a film is aware yeah. of, of, of what it's doing. And like you said, it's not, it's not like spoon feeding you. Like, look at this. Like we're going to bring in this crazy other plot line. No, it's just like zombies. <laughs> fuck it. Fuck it. 20, 20, 30 minutes in. Fuck it. We're going to throw zombies in and we're just going to make the movie weird, but don't worry. Don't worry, there's still going to be awesome music and weird pop songs from Taylor Swift. <laughs> I love that yeah. they didn't bother to make it like, you know, an Australian government base. It's a U.S. Army base. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course, it would be our fucking fault that zombies escaped into Australia. <laughs> yes, a testing facility, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I, I, I actually, I love all that stuff. I, I think it's something that, like, the actual building like the location of the testing facility is like funny to me, you know, I, uh, because, because yeah, you see so many movies where it has that shot where it's like, boom, boom, you know, <laughs> and you see like, it's supposed to be really serious. Like 
possible movie and you know (laughs) and i just love it i love when a movie's so i love when a movie's self-aware and i think little monsters is kind of filled with those moments and that that was one of my favorites well zombies have been done to death at this point there's very (laughs) it's very tough to do an original zombie movie so the best way you can do that is embrace it and know we're a zombie movie let's have fun with it and yeah you get a movie like this it's great yeah <laughs> so the zombies Incredible. break out of the testing facility and they overrun Pleasant Valley Farms pretty damn fast. And uh when they get there, they learn that Teddy McGiggle, beloved children's television personality, is filming at Pleasant Valley Farms. And uh he's got his froggy or frogsy hand puppet guy. He does this weird yeah. dance. He hits on Miss Caroline in front of all the kids. <laughs> so so messed up. Yeah. And that, that damn suit he's wearing, you know, it reminded me, you know, the name and all of that. It, have you seen Max Keeble's big move? I have not, no. Uh, well, there's, you know, there's a character there, uh, McGoogles. McGoogles is me name. Uh, you know, and it's um, one of the bully characters is scared of him. But he looks a lot like that character. And in Max Keeble, the guy's dressed up as a frog. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, uh, yeah. He looks like a frog in that suit. It is so absurd. When I first saw him, I was like, is that Josh fucking Gad? Like, what, <laughs> what is happening here? I love it, though. I love, when a movie, I love when a movie kind of flips it upside down. So it's great. He reminded me a lot. I don't know why, but the first thing that popped in my head was the, uh, the drunk clown from Uncle Buck. Oh, nice. <laughs> love Uncle Buck. Like, like, you don't know who I am. I have, like, I'm the most expensive clown in this town. I have pool in this clown, pal. And Buck just knocks his ass out. <laughs> God. You're not coming in here in front of the kids, pal. <laughs> yeah. It just got, it gave off that vibe of just like sleazy kids, you know, sleazy kids guy. And boy, were we right. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so they're having a tractor ride. Dave is kind of just like trying to figure out a way to talk to Miss Caroline. It's not going really well. And uh, zombies start showing up. They attack this family of Asian tourists. And uh, on the tractor ride, they're trying to see some sheep, and there's no sheep. So the uh, guide gets off the tractor to find the sheep, and she finds a bunch of zombies eating the sheep, and they jump her, and they eat her, and she turns into a zombie, and she's still got the intercom thing on. So she's like, over the intercom. That made me laugh. And... um, (laughs) Miss <laughs> Caroline jumps into action pretty damn quickly. Like, starts stabbing people with, with the pitchfork. Like, nobody gets in the way of her. Like, nobody tries to attack her kids. I love it. <laughs> and she's like, all right, it's a game. You ever play tag? <laughs> Do not let the, the players touch you. And Dave... The players. Yeah, Dave tries to drive the tractor, and his nephew's like, no, you got to put the parking brake out, because he's obsessed with tractors, so he knows everything about tractors. Yes. <laughs> and they're driving away, and they, they drive up to the, uh, the gift shop. Uh, they try to get to the bus, but it's overrun. And they get to the gift shop and find Teddy McGiggle is locked in and is not letting them in. It's like, fuck you. <laughs> he flips them off. He's like, nah, not going to happen. <laughs> And Dave's like, you asshole. <laughs> and he climbs up to the roof and 
jumps like in the window up there and falls down into the gift shop and Teddy McGill starts kicking his ass. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> but Dave over, overpowers him, opens the door, lets all the kids in, and Teddy is just pissed and angry and scared and constantly screaming obscenities at these kids. <laughs> it's, it's pretty fucking awful, but it's great. <laughs> oh. Uh, <laughs> Dave gives Felix some chips. Felix has an allergic reaction, and Dave Dave fucks up the EpiPen. And <laughs> Miss Caroline's like, "You can't reinsert it. You got to get a new one." He's so ill-equipped for this. And Felix's throat is closing up. He's having an allergic reaction to the dairy, and uh, so Miss Caroline has to go get it, get the backup, which is in the tractor in all the backpacks. So she, like a fucking boss, <laughs> gets out of the, like, it was awesome. She goes out and she gets the, the backpack and uh, makes it back as Teddy is trying to signal a military helicopter because the army's aware of this and their solution is, well, we better nuke it. <laughs> Make sure these things don't get out. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh. uh, Teddy falls off the roof we think at that point i was like oh, okay they're gonna eat josh gad and yeah. <laughs> I, I was actually really surprised that he got away dave saved me his too life. me too and this is my favorite moment in the movie dave and teddy are talking and teddy's confessing that he only got into show business for the moms that he's fucked so many moms doesn't matter anymore that's all that's keeping him going it's the only thing that's keeping him from putting a bullet in his mouth. It's fucking the moms. Yeah, I'm an addict. <laughs> and he says... Evil, uh, evil Olaf is obsessed with the MILFs. Well, he says, Teddy McGiggle's not even my real name. It's Nathan. And Dave goes, yeah, Nathan McGiggle. He's like, no, you idiot. When Dave said Nathan McGiggle, I had to pause it. I was laughing so fucking hard. No, you idiot. God, <laughs> God, this movie. Oh, fucking hilarious. It's so great. And it's not, it never goes in the directions you kind of think it's going to go in. Would I, I appreciate that? <laughs> so that night, Teddy and the kids are asleep after Miss Caroline threatened Teddy and said, like, if, if he, Scares the children. She's going to fuck him up. <laughs> like she tries to, just to stab him. And he's like, okay, I won't say anything. It's a game, kids. <laughs> he's like, do the voice. Yeah. <laughs> <He's> like, <"It's- laughs> I'm Teddy McGiggle. <laughs> oh, my God. He's, so looking through, he's looking through the cleaning supplies to find something to drink and keep himself... like keep the edge off and he starts drinking like fucking <laughs> ethanol it's <laughs> it's fucking crazy <laughs> so that night uh, watching over the kids they get the EpiPen into into Felix and he's fine and uh, Dave and Miss Caroline start talking and they're realizing like shit we are we gonna make it out of this they don't know I mean not only do they have to escape they gotta protect all these kids and Miss mm-hmm. Caroline starts saying you know well I you know, she explains where she came from. She ran away from home. She uh, got arrested. She did so many drugs. She followed Hanson. 
that was hilarious. Like fucking Hanson. That's the band you gave up your life for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. Like, well, I, w- I wouldn't want it. I wouldn't want it to be someone really good. Yeah. He's like, I would have let them do anything to me. <laughs> He's like, Bob Hanson, those guys. <laughs> uh, he admits that <laughs> those those guys. <laughs> he admits that his band broke up six years ago, and he's the last holdout. And he, his girlfriend and him broke up because he didn't want kids, and he's afraid to be a dad because his dad was a piece of shit. And Miss Caroline admits that her fiance and her broke up years ago, and she only wears the ring to so the other dads won't hit on her. <laughs> He's, in his mind, he's like, "Oh, light bulb!" So she's single, and so you're saying there's a chance? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. What if he would have shot you in the face? That's a risk we were willing to take. Harry, you're alive, and you're a horrible <laughs> shot. <laughs> This is like the fifth time this Dumb and Dumber is just going to pop into the conversation. I fucking love it. (laughs) Oh, my God. Our heads are falling off. So, Miss Caroline admits, like, she loves Neil Diamond and he loves Neil Diamond. Because earlier, Dave had done a saying Miss Caroline to the the tune of uh, Neil Diamond's Sweet Caroline. It was a very cute moment to keep all the kids together. So she loves Neil Diamond too. So they're bonding. And uh, the big thing you come, that you're supposed to take away from this is Dave's father left and uh, his mom went nuts and his sister was the only one who was there for him. So this is why Dave is very uh, distrusting of people. It's why he is so angry about everything. So we, we get a little bit of insight into him and I like, I like that. The next day, the military starts planning their uh, strategy to bomb the gift shop because that's where all the zombies are congregated. And uh, the survivors decide that it's time to get out. So their plan is to sneak out through the roof, cause one person to cause a distraction, somebody else will go get the tractor. And Teddy McGiggle's like, fuck that. We're all going to die if we do that. We need the McGiggle mobile. <laughs> <laughs> And Dave's like, what's the McGoogle mobile? He's like, it's the big red car over there, you, you, you moron. I go get it. I'll bring it back and I'll get, we'll get everyone in. So Dave causes a distraction. So Teddy can go get the McGoogle mobile. Teddy gets in and immediately betrays them and is like, fuck you guys. I'm out of here. And Dave's like, you motherfucker. And then we see Frogsy, <laughs> the hand puppet, come out from behind the, the, <laughs> in the back seat and just rips Teddy McGoogle apart. And it's satisfying because he's a piece of shit. Yeah, yeah, and you, you're you're waiting. Who's it going to be that's going to be able to take this guy down? Let's take a moment to talk about the gore factor of this movie. Really well, like really good. Uh, there's some brutal deaths in this movie, right? Yeah, and you you um, this is the kind of stuff that I think uh, you you and I initially you texted me. Oh my god, you know, um, Little Monsters is great, and you know when I watched it. Uh, I felt the exact same way. And you, you have that initial wave of how do they miss this when it has such good laughs, such good makeup, the blood, the actual action, the makeup on the zombies, all that stuff hits. It, it really, you know, 
with a few more watches, like this movie just could just keep elevating, you know, um, on my likability of it. And that, that has a lot to do with it, right? The, the authenticity of, <laughs> of the gore with the zombies, is like, it like has to be there for me to like a zombie film. Yeah, absolutely. You need good, you know, you got to have good zombies if you're going to do this kind of thing. Otherwise. Yeah, we've talked about, we've talked about 28 Days Later on this podcast. Um, yeah. A movie that you and I both feel, I think, similarly about, uh, maybe that is a good example, is World War Z. <laughs> shit, shit zombies. Shit zombies, absolutely. Shit zombies, and it makes the movie not rewatchable. So. World War Z <laughs> is, one of the, is the, one of the weakest zombie movies ever made. They don't even fucking try. It's just a horde of CGI. There's no yeah. heart in it. Zombies, good zombies are, you know, extras covered in dead makeup and just blood and guts as far as the eye can see. That's what, it, that's what works every time. And, makeup. Uh, yeah. Is 28 Days Later the only other zombie movie we've done? I think, I think like it is. Pure, like purebred uh, zombie, yeah, I think so, yeah. If we're forgetting one, we apologize, listeners. We've done a lot of these. <laughs> this, is number, this is number 95? 95. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. So Dave gets in the, gets on top of the McGiggle mobile and is now surrounded by zombies, including Frogsy coming up from the top hatch. And he doesn't really know what to do. He's trapped. Felix steps up <laughs> and goes to save his uncle from what I assume they all still think is a very elaborate game of tag. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Super intense game of tag, a traumatic game of tag. They're all like, I don't want to play anymore. And then there's one kid who's like, when are we going to play putt-putt golf? <laughs> Fuck that kid. Oh, God. Again, again, a couple of these kids are going to grow up thinking like, man, when can I get back into that, that kind of tag? You know? <laughs> I'm so How do I find that ultimate tag again? I was really expecting at the end, like somewhere, Miss Caroline was going to slap that kid. I was really hoping. Like she, he was going to break <laughs> her and she was going to be like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> No, she's stronger than that. <laughs> so Felix puts on the Darth Vader costume and starts running through the farm to get to the tractor. And he's poking, he's like force choking zombies. He's like pew, 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 pew. <laughs> he doesn't realize how serious this is. And it's so cute. <laughs> he saves a lamb <laughs> and he gets to the tractor and he saves Dave. Uh, but first Dave calls Tess and says, and confesses that he, you know, he loves her and he's grateful for what she, for her being there for him. And then he loses his phone in the zombies. <laughs> uh, Dave and Felix get the tractor. They get all the way over to the, to the, um, the kids. They load everybody up and they start driving to safety and they escape. And uh, Miss Caroline's playing music to keep the kids' mind off of all this shit. And um, the zombies are responding to the music. And like, they're cheering and they're swaying and it's, it's funny. They reach the military and the military is like, they're going to shoot them at first. They're like, ah, fuck it. It's just two people. And then the general hears kids and he's like, I can't shoot kids again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that again. Jesus. Let them through. And they let them through. And Dave and Miss Caroline try to say like, Hey, they respond to commands. And they're just like, open fire. And they just mow them down. <laughs> no chance at all. I love that that went nowhere. <laughs> like, just fuck it. Mow them down. <laughs> uh, 
Miss Caroline and Dave kiss. It's nice. And the government takes them away and puts them into quarantine. And uh, <laughs> the, the parents are all, t- you know, talking to the colonel, the general, like, what the fuck? Like, where are my kids? And you're like, all your kids are fine. Apparently they have two awesome teachers. They're like, the school only has one teacher, Miss Caroline. She's like, no, we mean Miss Caroline and uh, David Anderson. He's a real great teacher. And everyone's like, who the hell is that? She's like, that's my brother. And it's very, ah, it's nice. It and is. Yeah, it is. It's a sweet moment. Yeah. It's be- and then they're, they ask like, well, how long are they going to be in quarantine? 48 hours. Like, are they going to be miserable? Like, I don't think, I don't think so. And then we pan over to the quarantine and Dave and his Caroline are singing, shake it, shake it off to the kids and everyone's just having a good time. Ah, it's a very sweet ending. It's a very sweet movie. I never thought I would appreciate uh, a Taylor Swift needle drop in a movie, but I did. <laughs> but I did. I did. I know, right? It's weird. I don't give a fuck about Tay-Tay, but I love the way this song was used in the movie. Yes. <laughs> and uh, speaking of Tay-Tay, I've got one filmgasm fact for you guys. Originally, the producers were not able to get the rights to use Taylor Swift's Shake It Off in the film because the record label denied them. Lupita Nyong'o, being a big fan of the song, saw it as pivotal to the movie, led her to uh, personally get in touch with Taylor Swift and um, explain her case, explain why the song was important to her and to the movie, and Taylor Swift granted her the rights. She's like, yeah, okay. I love that. The record label's like, no. And Taylor Swift was like, sure. (laughs) Sometimes, you know, you just got to appeal to the human side of these people. Yeah, well, yeah, if you get Lupita to call up, you know, hey, a personal call to Taylor Swift, right? That's, yeah, that's what it takes. You got to, like, know people, obviously, and those are two powerhouse women making a connection that makes this movie uh, have a really sweet moment. It's awesome. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I like to think that after this movie, Dave followed Miss Caroline's path and, like, cleaned himself up and became a teacher. I bet he did. Yeah, yeah. Little Monsters 2, if that ever happened, yeah, that's certainly what it would be. It'd be, about, it'd be about his class of Little Monsters, yeah. I wouldn't say no. I would, I'd like to see more of this world. I like this movie a lot. Just, you know, keep uh, Evil Olaf away. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's, he's dead. He's very dead. Yeah, that's true. I hope we don't have like a Michael Myers type situation. Yeah. If anything, it would be like a twin brother, Timmy. Uh, oh, God. That might be worse. <laughs> uh, I give Little Monsters a nine. Uh, it's delightful, hilarious, gory, and wildly entertaining. It's a fantastic horror comedy. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. I also give it a nine. I find it to be um, like an underdog raised up. Uh, here, I might be a little biased. I, I love, I love when a film does this to me. Yeah. Uh, that I, I, I feel as though I completely missed and. I consider myself, and I know you do, and I'm sure some of our listeners consider themselves film buffs, but you just can't get to everything. But I am, like, upset with myself that this wasn't one of the ones I got to in 2019 because it is a gem. Check it out on Hulu. It'll be there forever. Um, Good stuff, man. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad glad the book gave us another one of these. The book knows all. (laughs) Yes, sir. Fucking Lutely. And that takes us into the spotlight where we talk about some of the films we've been watching outside the show. So uh, what have you got for us this week? 
yeah, I've been watching different kinds of stuff. You know, obviously we um, have our uh, Oscar Sunday show where we're diving into different films that have been nominated in the past. And we were doing, uh, we're doing a dead poet society. Um, so we've been diving into 1989, right? And uh, there's a film that you and I text each other back and forth about. And so I'm going to bring up an interesting spotlight and that would be driving Miss Daisy. Oh shit. Okay. Driving, driving Miss Daisy. Uh, the, the film that won that year, right. Um, mm. Watch it for yourself, I guess, if you want, but it's, it's a kind of a piece of garbage and I couldn't this time around, I've seen it a few years back and I did, I, I couldn't stand it. And then I rewatched it now just to kind of talk about it amongst do the right thing and my left foot and dead poet society for 1989. And I, I honestly, I couldn't get through it. I didn't want to finish it. I thought it was, you know, I, I thought it was even worse this time around. Um, I know you, wa- I know you watched it for the first time. Yes. So uh, I wanted you to be able to open up and kind of speak about uh, it being 2020 uh, and that movie winning, you know, 30 years ago. Uh, how, how did you feel about it? Being a 25 year old dude in 2020 who just watched this ridiculous movie. I felt offended on behalf of film buffs everywhere. I was, I couldn't believe that this film was even nominated, let alone beat Dead Poet Society and Born on the Fourth of July and My Left Foot and Field of Dreams. And this, this is your, this is your big kahuna. Are you kidding me? This is one of the most insincere, horrible, boring, ridiculous movies I've ever seen take an Oscar. It's such an unearned friendship. It's no, it's just, you know, you work for me and we're friends, but you still can't do anything I do and I'm not inviting you anywhere. And by the way, like, oh God, I just, yeah, it was infuriating. 25 years passed by, but you don't really fucking notice. Uh, They come close to addressing like racial tensions, but they never do anything with it ever. Yeah. Like they're too scared to step into that world despite the setup they've already put into this movie. I I don't understand why everyone fell over for this. I just, I don't, I was, I, I, I hate this movie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Me too. You know, I, uh, I I love that we are both trying our hardest to kind of watch everything for our Oscar Sunday show to kind of, yeah. uh, To just have an opinion and, you know, Dead Poet Society is a very special film to both of us. And do the right thing is something that we talked about recently on our Defy Bloods episode on Oscar Sunday and how good that movie is and that it wasn't even up for best picture. It's just so absurd when you look back at some of these. And uh, that's partly why we wanted to do the show, right? Um, Is to, is to just kind of have that conversation uh, and open, open it up and uh, reevaluate different films from different decades so yeah that's not necessarily i'm not you know obviously not saying spotlight this movie because it was good i I just i just um i found it funny that we you watched it for the first time and i was trying to rewatch it and i just couldn't (laughs) well i feel you know for oscar sunday it's best if we watch the winner at the very least because how are we going to know why this film lost unless we see why the other film won Right, case, right, right. I don't fucking get why it won at all. So, I mean, Dead Poet Society is a movie that moved me substantially and is such an original, well-made film about loss of innocence and coming of age. And then you've got Driving Miss Daisy, which is about 
Morgan Freeman getting hired by a slightly less yeah. racist like Georgia family to drive around grandma <laughs> for 25 years. And really? <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and do the right thing, which is a monumental, you know, piece of piece of piece of art. <laughs> and born on the 4th of July, which is a brilliant anti-war. Bio. Yeah. My left foot. Yeah. Fuck it. The Burbs is way better. Way yes. better than Driving Miss Daisy. Get the hell no, out of I will watch The Burbs shit. any second of the day. And Indian, I will never Indi- this again. Indiana Jones. Right? Last Crusade, yeah. Straight up. Batman. When Harry Met Sally. I don't give a shit. Give it to any of those movies. Just not that piece of shit. Yeah, it's just frustrating. That's one of the, that's one of the five worst calls they've ever made. I'd say it's their worst call that I've seen. I, I think so. I just haven't seen everything. Uh, I haven't seen Crash yet, so I can't judge that yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's often put in that 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 uh, white savior, white guilt, hold that whole tier, you know, along with um, along with Crash, right? So yeah, it's definitely in that that group. I, I, I just I think there I think there's some that I haven't seen yet that I'm not going to like. <laughs> I hate when a movie like Driving Miss Daisy has that "we're not so different, you and I" moment, but it's completely unearned and does nothing for the story. No, I can't. I I can't. You 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 can't do that. No one can do that, right? No, because um, that's that's throwing stuff like under the table. Like, oh, okay, you know, but we're good, right? Like, Dude, and and yeah. and when and when when a when a Peter Farrelly says like at when he gets his fucking Golden Globe and his Oscar, and he's just like, we can fix this. It's like, what are you talking about, dude? Bring some tangible solutions to. If you're talking about racial equality, come on, man, like. Your movie's not going to fix this shit. You need to bring tangible shit. Don't just praise yourself because you made this made this movie. It's frustrating. At least Green Book went there. Like at least it tried to do something yeah. with like you know showcasing the racial tensions. Driving Miss Daisy drove right up to the edge of that and then backed away. Yeah, and and Green Book. Yeah, I I think that's unfair. I don't think it's right to put it in the group of like that. It definitely has some 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 tropes that are similar, but I mean, come on! At the heart of it, you do you do really have two actors working working some magic at times, and and for that, I I recommend watching Green Book just for for that that. But I don't think it's the story that people need to see or um, that it's going to change them or totally enlighten them. I, I really think the way I felt when I walked out of Green Book was like, okay, cool, like on to the next. Um, yeah. I, 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 it was fine. It was fine. You know, and I moved on, but driving Miss Daisy is not a move on movie. There's a reason it started this whole discussion. It, it really is so divisive that it won and uh, ultimately frustrating. Yeah. Extremely. And yeah, unfortunately it's going to be one of those movies that's forever known as a best picture winner. So it's always going to be part of the conversation. It's always going to be part of that legacy. And I, I, I don't like that at all. It does not deserve any of that praise. Well, the year after they kind of fucked up too. So, at least Dances with Wolves is <laughs> better. It's I like there's a story there. It's just really hard to fucking find. That I don't like that one. Either. Yeah, and that yeah, that one, that's a whole. But you know what? They got it hey, right the year after. <laughs> there you go. Yes, hundred percent. Silence of Lambs. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, hey, if you like this kind of talk, um, definitely check out our Oscar Sunday because this is really all we do is have these kinds of discussions. Yeah. Um, and, and Dead Poets, we're just going to do it a little bit more. We're really going to dive into 1989. So 
Um, do you have anything positive that you watched? <laughs> no, my my spotlight is also a movie I didn't like. Uh, let's hear it. <laughs> All right, this is going to divide some people because this is considered a sci-fi classic to a lot of people. Uh-oh. I did not enjoy Total Recall. Oh, my God. It's not just me. I, I knew it. All right, so. Okay, well, I feel, like the, I feel like this is one of the films I've never been able to be honest about. All right, yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. It, the CGI hasn't aged well at all. The story is nonsensical. The dialogue is fucking ridiculous. Like, I'll be home in time for cornflakes? Are you kidding me? Like, oh, yeah. I thought it was terrible. Yeah, I, okay. That's interesting. I hadn't read re- your uh, review for it. I see you gave it a six. Yeah, yes. I feel the same way. I might even go lower. I, I, I watched this, and it was one of those where I was like, oh, man, maybe I shouldn't tell yeah. people how I, how I really feel about this because maybe I'm the one who's wrong. You know, maybe I'm stupid. But yeah. no, it's it's good to hear. I haven't seen it in a few years, but it's good to hear that you didn't like it either. <laughs> I am a and I'm I'm a massive Schwarzenegger fan. I was really yeah. looking forward to seeing this for the first time. Predator is one of my favorite movies. I love the Terminator franchise. I love Kindergarten Cop, Jingle All the Way. I love the dude. And this movie was terrible. <laughs> it's just weak and pointless. And yeah, I just it's bad. I got nothing. I have nothing more to say, really. It's just, it's a bad movie. You heard it here first. Total Recall is not a good movie. And it is in the book. So one day we will do Total Recall and I will, we will give it the full episode treatment, but I will not be going in with a positive mindset. <laughs> that, that could get quite divisive as I see Caleb wrote a review in 2015 and gave it a nine. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Oh boy. I hope we draw it and he can be a part of that. Oh, yes. Love a good. I'm, I can't wait for the inevitable dialogue we get when Caleb joins the show. Yes, that's gonna be fun. Yeah, <laughs> at first, it'll be good it's stuff. Probably gonna get very annoying really quickly because that's how you know that's how our conversations work. <laughs> I don't like a certain horror movie. He loves it, and then it's just you know clash for an hour. It's awesome. And I'll be and I'll be Saul Goodman trying to make things work. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, did you see the Emmy nominations came out today? I did. My my, I would say my favorite thing uh, before we talk about Better Call Saul. My favorite thing would be that Zendaya for Euphoria was nominated. That's fantastic. I hope she wins. Nice. My favorite thing was that The Mandalorian got nominated for Best Drama. <laughs> yeah. What? How about that? And a bunch of nominations altogether. Yeah. yeah. Way to go. John Carlo Esposito's up for two Emmys for Mandalorian and Better Call Saul. He's the yes. only cast member who was nominated for Better Call Saul. I can't believe that. Yeah, so that's what we need to talk about. So what, what the fuck's up with that? Have I missed some legendary television series where people are blowing everybody's mind? Because Better Call Saul is, come on, like, what are we doing here? Odin Kirk is doing crazy stuff on that show. I, I can't believe that. Yeah, especially since the giant, like the giant campaign for Rhea Seahorn to finally get an Emmy nomination, nothing happened from that. What does she have to do? What do, you, what, what, do were people watching those last couple episodes when she's doing some of the best acting in any of Vince Gilligan's universe? Come on, what do we? I don't like that. I don't like when a show that clearly has an awesome uh, audience and uh, a serious, like you know, cult following behind it and is gaining more steam because more people are like, oh, this is actually as good as better Breaking Bad. And it's on the the same level. Better Call Saul has never gotten the same 
award recognition that Breaking Bad has, despite being just as good. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. It is. It's annoying. It's very it's, annoying. It's fucking dumb because re- really, when you're watching it, you're, you're, you're literally in the same world. The style, the way Vince Gilligan is capturing everything, the way, the way even he makes New Mexico look at sometimes is like, oh my God, I'm still in Breaking Bad. The font of the, of the credits. It's like he didn't, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, like we never left. You're, you're still there. And, but because I think this is a big part of that whole thing. I have no problem admitting that Better Call Saul is on the same plateau. That Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul are both incredible television series. Yeah. Now, now Better Call Saul has to wrap it up really well to match Breaking Bad's ending because that was a masterful ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but I hear too many people who have just disregarded like, oh, I feel like I've seen that story or I feel like I've been in that world. But you love it. So what are you talking about? Why wouldn't you want to come back? Yeah, and, and with TV, with TV, when it's so hit or miss, and you're going into these series watching 10 hours of television, why would you not go with something that you know you're going to like? <laughs> it, yeah. it makes it, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm the dumb one. I, I don't know. I, I, feel yeah. like, I feel like Better Call Saul deserves to be in the same, same light as, as Breaking Bad. I feel like it's all under one umbrella. El Camino is the only thing that's, that doesn't work. El Everything Camino has, has gotten better for me with repeated viewings. Uh, I wish I could say the same. Yeah. I just, I don't like it. Fair enough. That's also up for best, uh, best TV movie, which is kind of cool. But yeah. I think Better Call Saul, for me, the best thing about it is that Vince Gilligan is putting the same care and effort that he put into Breaking Bad into this show. He's making sure the characters pop just as great, that everything makes sense, everything ties up well, and the ending is building towards just a great, soft ending i think it's not going to be the explosive breaking bad finale it's going to be everyone is where they should be when breaking bad starts which is going to be great and then we are also going to get payoff for the gene cinnabon story so i'm yeah. ex- i'm nothing but excited i'm not worried i'm not like i'm looking forward to a nice exciting reliable awesome tv show ending which is nice because we don't ever fucking get that anymore <laughs> Yeah, it's few, few and far between, my man. I, I just, I think Vince Gilligan has gotten better at certain aspects of his craft. And I think you can, you can look at stuff that's pretty easy. Like, like you point out, Seahorn, she, he, he did not write, in my opinion, Skylar's a good character, Marie's a good character, you got Jane in there. But none of those are strong characters. Yeah, yeah. Kim, Kim at some points, Kim's running the show. Kim is the episode. Yeah, and and that he, he, that that's awesome. That's a female character. That means you you can have um, people who maybe didn't watch Breaking Bad who are female who are like, oh, there's just not a lot of representation. Bam, you got Kim right there who's just fucking killing it. One of the coolest characters in the whole universe. And you also have, I think he's gotten better at writing for the characters that are um, either from Mexico or part of the cartel. He's just gotten better at writing for more diversity for more diverse characters, not just the Bob Odenkirk's and the Brian Cranston's, you know, he, he's better at writing for everybody. And I, I really believe that when I'm watching better call Saul, I'm like, man, this guy has somehow gotten better at his craft. And I think that's what it is. I think ultimately for me as a fan, he's just gotten better at writing for each character, not just the, you know, the Jesse and the Walt, you know, it's, it's, it's all of the characters. It's, um, truly special what he's doing 
Well, and the new characters are just as interesting and exciting as the character we've come to love. Like take Lalo yes. Salamanca, for instance. He yes, is a character. Yes. He's a character that came out of a single line in Breaking Bad. There was no exactly. plan for this guy, but he grew into this show and has become one of the most fearsome, intimidating, unpredictable psychopaths on TV right now. Yes, dude. You, yeah, that's the character I'm talking about. Is is fucking Lalo, man? Like, he 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 got better at right. Like, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but the writing and for the writing in Better Call Saul for Lalo is better than any of the writing for, aside from maybe Gus, any of the writing for the bad guys in Breaking Bad. Right? I mean, Lalo is. I say who, who, yes for everybody except for uh, Hector. I think Hector's written extremely well in Breaking Bad. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Awesome. I love this conversation. <laughs> oh, I can talk about. Yeah, I can talk about um, Albuquerque all day. Um, it's it, it, yeah, it's one of my five favorite. And, and you know, if you want to combine the two, yeah, it's like one of my five favorite like series worlds. You know, yeah. ever. I'm gonna be sad to leave. Like with the with this final upcoming season, I'm gonna be sad to say goodbye to this universe. Oh, he'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll, we'll keep we'll, we'll keep this train we'll keep this train rolling oh the rewatches will never end i'm gonna get the better call Saul collection it's gonna go right next to my breaking bad collection and i'm gonna rewatch fucking constantly i still want my mike ehrman trout philadelphia prequel so uh, <laughs> i'm holding out for that right on oh man uh well next week we go back into the world of stephen king a man with no shortage of weird movies made from his work and this is yeah. certainly one of the weirder ones what happens when an industrial laundry machine gets possessed by a demon and starts to murder people? Find out next week when we dive into Toby Hooper's The Mangler, starring Robert England and Ted Levine. It's a pretty reviled movie that will be a first-time watch for both of us, so stay tuned for that. Also, if you want something a bit more serious, we will be reviewing Dead Poet Society on our Oscar Sunday podcast this Sunday. Thanks for listening. Don't abandon any kids to hordes of zombies, and we will see you next Wednesday. Thank mm-hmm. you.